Welcome to the Casey City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Amen. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. We want to thank you for, uh, for this time that we have to, to be able to minister your word, Lord, Father. And so, Lord, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your anointing. I pray, Lord, for everyone. Just lay your hands on your heart this morning. And Lord, as they lay their hands on their heart, Father, I pray and declare that this is good soil. That your heart is good soil. And that, that there'll be good seed that, that is going to be sown even within your heart. We want to thank you. Father, open, open our eyes. Unveil. Unveil to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a song that... Uh, we used to sing and we've sung it and maybe we might be able to do it later. We'll just see how it goes. The greatest day in history, death is beaten. You have rescued me. Sing it out. Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal. You have won the day. Shout it out. Jesus is alive. Oh, happy day. Happy day, you washed my sin away. And oh, happy day. Happy day, I'll never be the same. Forever, I am changed. Forever, forever, I am changed. Amen. Oh, happy day. I mean, can we remember the day that we were saved? Many of us here, probably we can remember the day that we are saved. But you know, the word of the Lord also says that we are being saved. Amen. There is this whole process of sanctification that we are being saved until we come to that place of of maturity where we see him face to face and that we will be with him in the safe and eternal place. So we are being saved into that final place. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Anna. Really appreciate that. So I'm I'm doing my part two on on this on the series of. uh, over over the next over the next three months, right through till September, we have dedicated this to be the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel. What's the power of the gospel? As Paul says in Romans chapter one verse sixteen, uh, is are the are the slides all all good? Oh, fantastic, fantastic! Can we go to the first slide, please? The one that has the title in it. The power of the gospel to boldly go, to boldly go, amen, to boldly go. Because to begin to share the gospel with with those that whom you may not know, it is a bold, it is a bold step. It is a bold move to be able to get to that place and to cross that line, to cross over, to have sometimes the courage. I mean, someone did that to us. Someone was bold enough to share with us or someone loved us enough. It's like I've heard it put this way. If you have the cure for cancer, would you want to keep it to yourself? Sell it? Yep, that's smart. That's a, oh, tell it. Amen, amen, we'll tell it. But you can also sell it if you want to, I suppose, amen? You can sell the cure for cancer too, so you know, that's, uh, that's, that's quite a good thing. But, but the, the bottom line is this, you will never want to keep it. You will want to shout about it. You will want to share that with everyone. So when you have the cure for, 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 for eternal life as such, when you know that eternal life 
is in Christ Jesus, wouldn't you want to tell the world? Wouldn't you want to shout it out? Wouldn't we all want to do that, right? And, and we can fill this place twice, three, four, five times over in, in, in all sincerity. We should and we could because it is not through our strength, but it is through the strength of the Lord. Amen. And, and, and maybe it's because we haven't really come into that place of truly understanding what is that power, truly understanding what is that strength, and actually really functioning and relying on that strength and on that power. And I hope through these through this few weeks that as different ones come and share as well, that we will begin to encounter this, this amazing power that is resident inside of you, that is in the word that you have received Right? And you, you and I can continue to give. So in, in, in chapter 1, verse, verse 16. Now this is going to be really difficult because I never sit. I can never sit and preach. So this is, uh, has to be through the power of the Holy Spirit that I do that today. Amen. So uh, Romans, chapter, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the, the, gen, the Gentile. Let's, let's read the NLT. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about, about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Say it with me. As the scriptures say. Scriptures say. Let's read it together. It is through faith that a righteous person shall live. The next one. I refuse to be ashamed of sharing. Let's, let's declare that this morning. I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. The Jew first, and then people everywhere. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says, we are right with God through life-giving faith. Next one. Uh, do we have a clicker that I could potentially use if you can? Yeah, that'll be awesome. Um, for I am not ashamed, say it with me, please. Let's declare that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I see it as... I see in it God's plan for the imparting righteousness to men and women. A process begun and continued by their faith. For as scripture says, the just shall live by faith. Right. So the just shall live by faith. Oh, thank you. This is awesome. Now, as you look at, uh, these, as you look at these verses here, this aspect, for I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. The next... next uh, uh, version says, I refuse to be ashamed. So it's, it's a decision that Paul is talking about when he writes to the Romans. And he's saying, I am, ref I am, I am refusing to be ashamed, right? 
Now, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I see it as the very power of God working for the salvation of, of everyone. Now, just to recap, and I want us to have a look at that. Now, there is a difference. Amen? There's a difference between being ashamed of the gospel versus being shamed by the gospel. That was the assertion that I shared the last time, about a couple of weeks ago when I, when I mentioned this. I said, there is, a, there, is a, there is a difference between being ashamed of it and being shamed. And, you know, if we are faithful, right? If we are faithful Christ followers, we're going to experience shaming. And many of us here, we would, have, we, we would have experienced shaming. And shaming could, could come in so many different forms and in so many different ways, right? You get ridiculed for what you believe. You get ridiculed for why you believe what you believe. And as I said, in the 70s or 80s, maybe even the 90s, probably not so much so in the 90s, but it started to change. But in, in the 70s, in the 80s, you know, uh, I, I remember a friend of mine, uh, you know, we were sharing with someone and, 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 and he got punched in, in his face, in, on, on his lips, because we were sharing about Christ. Right? You hear the story of Israel Falal. And he's been kicked out of the club because of what he believes or because of what he shared about what he believes. Right? And so when you become vocal these days, in today's context, you're not only shamed and you're not only told, what do you mean that this is the only truth? You know, in the, in the 60s or in the 70s, that was basically it. You know, they, they will say, what do you mean this is the only truth? They, they, may, they may challenge you, but now in today's context, when, if, if you were to say that, they will begin to say that you are intolerant. Right? You are intolerant. How dare you say such a thing? How dare you say such a thing? You could be kicked out. You, you could be, you, you could actually be forcibly kicked out of your work, of your job. So all of those aspects. So what then, what, what happens then to us as believers? We begin to retreat. We begin to come up with different ways of communicating the gospel. Am I right? Yes? No? We begin to. Now, and when we begin to do this, what do we do it? Why do we do it for? Do we do it because we want to restrict the shaming behavior as such? Because we don't want to be shamed. We don't want to feel like as if we are not part of the group or not part of the crowd. Or we want to be nice. We, want, we, we come up with statements like, man, I, I, don't, I don't want to drive, you know, I, I don't want to shove the Bible down their throat. So we make many statements like this. But can we examine today? Is that really the reason? Or is it because we are afraid? Because there's fear within us, right? So in Hebrews chapter 12, I also shared with us a couple of weeks ago, how did Jesus combat this, right? And he, he, this, this was his way of how he... he he combat sh this shaming behavior. And it was this, for the joy, say that with me, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. 
for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. So there was this aspect of shame. Now, what did Jesus, Jesus really experienced shame in a huge way. I mean, in an ugly way. They put the crown of thorns on him, right? They began to ridicule him, right? They began to even say, hey, if you say you could save them, why don't save yourself? So they spoke language like that. Now, obviously, you and I know that Jesus could have summoned the legion of angels and all of that, but he restricted himself. He restricted himself so that you and I now can go through what we go through and come out on the other side, not feeling like as if shame is going to kill us or going to eat us up. That's the reason why Jesus went through all of what he went through so that we then can be victorious. So for the joy that was set before him, he he endured the cross. So instead of wanting to succumb to shame, he had something in the future that really took a hold of it, right? It was this joy, it was the joy it was this, this joy that he knew he was going to accomplish that that was it that actually really kept him going. So what keeps us going, friends? If I were to ask ourselves this morning, what is it that is actually keeping us going? You know, Paul was like that as well. And he says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the message and the reality of Christ, of Christ crucified for sinners and raised, raised with power and saving all who trust in him. So Paul, like Jesus, said the very same thing, right? And as you know, Paul, but Paul also applied wisdom. The context of sharing, he, he also said to the Romans, I'm, I, I'm a Roman. To the Greeks, I'm a Greek, right? And so he began to contextualize his his sharing and the gospel as he began to speak to them. He began to understand. And I shared with us last, the last time four different aspects, right? Now, um, I think it's, it's, it's in these slides, but probably towards the end. But let's rehearse that. Let's, let's re- rehearse that, whether you, rem- whether you remember. There are four aspects to us being missional, where we get to contextualize the gospel, and what was the first one? Starts with an O. Sorry? Over here. So it's not over there and over here. It's not that. It's to over here is to, is to, is to actually over, over here. Right? Is to actually overhear what they're really about. What, are, what, what is the situation all about? What are they really about? So when you overhear, what do you do? What's the next thing that you and I do? After we overhear. We connect, amen. Because it is through overhearing that you then know how to connect. And you, you, you connect with them. Oh, you took me there already. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Who did that? Not me. Oh, the man over there. The invisible man over there. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So yes, you connect. And after you connect then, once you connect with the person, so we're talking about connect, connection here is what? Connection is relationship. Because when you, have, when you and I have relationship, it's easier for us to, but you can only have relationship when you know what they are really about, what, what, what their life's about, right? What is your neighbor about? What are your friends about? What are some of these people really about? What is good news to them? Not, not what is good news to what you think good news is, right? But what is good news to them? And then we begin. And that's what Paul talks about, the whole context of contextualizing. To them, I am this. To this person, I am that. That's what Paul does. 
So that's how we begin to really unveil this gospel message. And after we connect with them, then we begin to translate. translate. Come on, say it all. Say it with me. Okay, the first one is? Okay, close your eyes now. First one is? Second? Close your eyes. Don't cheat. Close your eyes. Okay, second one is connect. Third one is? Translate. And translate meaning that you don't assume what it is, but you begin to translate it. You begin to share how it feels like. Now, to me, what is good news at this point in time? I couldn't make out what you said. <laughs> to be, re yes, to recover. To recover. For, not for me to, to limp like that and to have this as a, as a crutch to go around with, right? I mean, can you imagine if this, is what, if this is what we have to do? And sometimes when we share the gospel, this is what it is. We feel it's like a crutch, right? It's a crutch. And so we walk around limping. Limping. Why? Because, oh, we've been disappointed. Why am I having this crutch? I have this crutch because I have a hurt. I have this pain that the doctor has said, don't put pressure on that. Right? Because there might be a hairline fracture, there might be something in your bone. And so he said, don't until you get an x-ray. Right? So we've got all of these reasons. So when we begin to share the gospel, at times, it becomes a crutch. Why? Because we are nursing a wound and a pain deep within that we feel hasn't been hurt, I mean, hasn't been healed. And so, we, it, it becomes a major difficulty for us. And so, for me, good news is what? Is to be healed at this point in time. That is good news to me. So, good news to the person that was sitting at the gate called Beautiful was silver and gold have I none but rise up and walk rise up and walk that is good news now when he experienced that good news to the lady at the well in John chapter 4 was what was the fact that she came across someone whom she thought was a man was just a Jew then suddenly she figured out and said that he must be a prophet why because he unveiled her life to her and said you don't even have a husband now. You've had four or something like that. And then suddenly she began to recognize him. And what was good news to her? It was the fact that Jesus did not rebuke her, did not judge her, loved her and received her. That was what good news was. So he began to translate that according to where she was. And the next thing was that she was then empowered. Right? She was then empowered. That's the fourth, that's the fourth aspect. Okay. So coming back to the, uh, coming back to the earlier, earlier slides now. Now the gospel, as we said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Not to some, but to everyone who believes. So now this is the same way that Jesus overcame the feelings of shame when he, when he was shamed for the gospel. So Jesus looked at this joyful, triumphant, he knew that he was going to triumph. He knew that he was going to go and be with the Father and spend eternity with the Father and continue to spend eternity with the Father. So when facing shaming encounters, right? Uh, I will now control it. Thank you. When, facing, when faced with shaming encounters, 
we don't alter, firstly, we don't alter the gospel to make it popular and inoffensive. Well, this is the first thing we need to make sure that we do. But the tendency is to alter it. Would I be right in saying that? How do we alter the gospel to make it inoffensive? Come on. Water it down? How else? What are some of the ways that we alter the gospel when we are sharing? Yep. Yep. Do we... Do you hear yourself sometimes saying this? You know, why don't just just try Jesus? Just try him. Just let him come and be your friend. And then, you know, give him a few weeks, give him about a month or so. Just try him and, and see if he makes a difference. Have you heard that being put to people like that? I know I have. Not just heard it, I have done it too. And I don't, think it's a, I don't think that's the right thing because when you're trying to tell someone to try it, then you're, bring, you're not bringing the person into a place of commitment because Jesus said that we need to commit. We need to commit our lives to him. Right? right? We, need to make a, we need to make a commitment. And if you look in, John, in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says this, For the message about Christ's death on the cross is nonsense to those who are being lost. For us who are being saved, it is God's power. So, so scripture is already very clear that to those who don't want to receive it, it sounds nonsense to them. So the danger is when we begin to alter it, we are altering something that already to them is sounding nonsense. So we've got to believe and pray and trust that God, that, that, that his spirit is going to convict this individual. But it is not through watering down. The next aspect is we, rem we remind ourselves, right, that the gospel will triumph in the end. In the end, the gospel is, is definitely going to triumph. We, 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 we have the sense, and, and, and just hear this, we have the sense that, you know, when, you know, sometimes you watch these, you, 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 you watch these movies, and you find that, uh, you know, you've got movies like uh, Avengers Endgame and Godzilla and so on and so forth. And you find that the world is going to be destroyed and uh, the people who are trying to really begin to fight them and begin to rescue the world and, and, and all of that seem to stand a real, um, don't seem to stand a fighting chance at all. And so you go through that wondering, are you actually at the end of the day going to really, really survive? And so in our hearts and in our minds, I wonder whether we think that, whether this gospel, will it really triumph? Will it really save the people in this city? Will I really be able to? We have to come to terms with that, friends. We need to decide in our heart of hearts that this gospel has the power for that. Right? Has the power to see transformation happen. But the power of transformation needs to happen, firstly, I believe, in our lives. The total sense of transformation needs to happen in our lives. When we begin to see that, man, I am so changed. And I am so transformed. That, that this addiction is not going to continue to be one that will overtake and overshadow me. Maybe now it seems like that, but I know God still, Jesus still does not condemn me. He still receives me because he knows it ain't over yet. My life isn't over yet. Because I am going to overcome this. I'm going to kick this because of the power of the gospel. 
right? Unto salvation so that I will be saved. And that's what it means as well. Not just once when I was converted, but now I am being saved. So my habits are going to leave me in time to come because of the power of that gospel. But if you and I don't live that, if you and I don't seem to experience that, we cannot communicate that to someone else. And we will never ever think that the gospel will ever triumph because we are not seeing it triumphing in our own lives. Amen. And the next aspect that we see is this. We remind ourselves that the gospel alone brings forgiven sinners to final everlasting joy. That's where it is. It is, the, the gospel is the only, is the only one that will bring a sinner to this amazing joy. Yes. Hallelujah. And, and, and lastly, we remind ourselves that Jesus went through it to make it possible for us to be victorious. So we need to remember that the power in, in the, 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 the power is in the gospel, yes. right? You see, nothing in the world can do, can do this except the, except the gospel of Christ. There's nothing else. Judaism can't. Buddhism can't. Hinduism can't. Islam can't. You know why? Because they do not have a savior who can solve the problem of separation from a holy God. We are separated from a holy God. The only person that can solve and that has solved this problem is Jesus Christ. No one else can. No one else has. No one else, no other religion has a savior. It is either through works or, it is, or either it is through a pantheon of gods that you begin to believe. But it is not through a savior that says, come to me as you are. Come to me as you are. You don't need to go and fix yourself. You don't need to go and change yourself. You come to me and begin to experience the power of transformation and of change that only you can experience through this gospel. Amen? So, and I'm sure even, even Paul, if he was here today, if Paul was here today, what do you think he would say? He would probably say, suffer? Yes. Be misunderstood? Yes, be misunderstood. Be shamed? Yes, go for it and be shamed. But do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. But for everything else, yes. So like Jesus, for the joy that was set before you, for the salvation that only the gospel can gain, what do you and I need to do? Take up our cross. Follow Jesus. And despise the shame. Take up our cross. Follow him and despise the shame. So this week, today, in the next few minutes, I want to have a look now. I, 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 wanted, I really wanted to do a, a recap to begin to take us deeper and further into this. Because one, God is doing a work of recalibration in this house. So he's recalibrating our mindsets in particular aspects too, right? And when he begins to recalibrate that, we've got to align ourselves to it. So very quickly, let me share with you about today's context. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For, because, and if you see that there, for, it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, that's why the gospel is the only power of God. 
towards the context of salvation. That's the only. So the question today is, why is this salvation, why is this salvation that the gospel so powerfully brings about? What is this? So what does this actually really mean? The gospel is the power of God. Is that the only thing? Is the, is the gospel the only power to win converts? Is the gospel just about bringing converts? And do you think that is what this passage is really talking about in Romans? I want to share something that is potentially different from that. Not to say that the gospel will not bring converts and will not win, win converts because every other religion brings converts and can win converts. But there is something precious and special about this, about this gospel and what, and what Paul is really talking about. Now, the reason I think that it is, it, is, it is obviously true that the gospel does win converts, it's because of, of, this, of this aspect. Uh, you'll see that passage of scripture there. Now, it brings people to faith who, who have faith, it brings them into a place of repentance that you and I need to repent. In Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Amen? So when we hear the word of Christ, we begin to repent. We begin to get stronger and we begin to repent, right? So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now in 1 Peter 1, 23 to 25 that you see up there, it says this, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable seed. Imperishable. Now, that is powerful. And that's important. Through the living and abiding word of God. So, we are being born. So, we are born again through something that is abiding. It continues. We continue to abide in, in this word. And that's how we're being saved. Now, and this word is good news that was preached to you. So, it is true that we are born again and are converted by, by the means of this amazingly powerful gospel, right? But it is also true that this conversion and, and that this conversion is called salvation now. Salvation, why? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, just a quick um, taking us back to when we were saved and we would have come across these passages of scripture, but it's always good to rehearse them anyway. For by grace, say it with me, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So we see that aspect of salvation, right? If you are a believer in Christ now, this morning here, if you're a believer in Christ, you have been saved now, and so the book of Romans is a very powerful book for us to really begin to understand and really begin to embrace because it talks about, you know, aspects of predestination, our calling, our justification, our sanctification, all of that is stated there in this, in this book, right? But we want to look at this, this, this final tri triumph of the gospel and the context of salvation that is used here in this, right? So... There are, there are three aspects that I want to I, I wanna share with us, with us today, right? For the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So here I feel that he has, what he has in mind is not primarily the event of conversion, but the final triumph of the gospel in bringing believers to eternal safety. And the joy of being in the presence of this holy and amazing God. That is what he's talking about in the context of this, right? So the first, 
the, the first rationale, the first reason is this. One, he says is that the power of the gospel is what frees us from being ashamed of the gospel. Right? So I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. So if this is meant only that the gospel has power to make converts, why then, why would that solve the shame problem? If it was only to bring converts, why would that really solve the shame problem? Now, lots of religions, as I've said earlier, they make and they bring converts. Lots of different religious and secular movements win people over by their faith or to their faith. But when Paul said that the gospel has much has, has a much more, has, a, has such a powerful effect that you don't have to be ashamed of it. This is what it simply means, that it does, it, it does what other religions can't really do. It wins converts, but it also does something else. Now, Jesus triumphed over shame by looking at the future joy that was set before him as he died. And, and I, I reckon this is what Paul is talking about in this context. That this is what he had in mind as he was speaking to Roman believers who were in Rome. That you don't have to be ashamed of this gospel because it doesn't just make converts. It saves those converts. It totally saves them. It utterly saves them. It brings them to a final place of safety. Right? My, my second point. I've got just three points. So this is my number two. Ongoing belief, and this is a key thing, I, I, I want us to really pay attention to this. Ongoing belief is the condition. Uh, I'll just leave us at that passage of scripture. Ongoing belief is the condition for salvation. So again, in Romans 1.16, it says, the final triumph of the gospel is bringing believers to eternal safety and, the, and this joy in the presence of a holy and glorious God. Now that ongoing belief is the condition for the salvation. So I can't believe it today. And then maybe next week, I'll think about it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not too sure whether I really now believe in this gospel anymore. Right? This gospel is the power of God to bring about faith and salvation. It says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who is believing. So this is the present tense in the Greek. So in the Greek, it means that I have to continuously, this is a continuous action, right? In other words, so Paul is saying this, he's, po he's pointing out this aspect that, God, that the gospel creates faith for those who have faith and those who want to believe in that. So the gospel brings about the salvation, right? And and, and the tense of the word belief here, this is, this is crucial. It signifies ongoing action, not just the faith, not just the first act of faith when you were convert, uh, converted. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who is believing. So in the same sense, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says, where Paul says, I preach to you the gospel which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. So in which you stand and in which you are being saved. So if you hold fast to this word that I preach to you, Paul says, unless you, unless you have believed this in vain. 
So if we look back in 10 years from now and we look back and we say, do I really believe it? Or have I been believing this in vain? So faith does not, faith does not persevere in that. Faith that does, does not persevere is, is a vain and empty faith that James talks about in James chapter 2. So the point again in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 is simply this, that you don't have to be ashamed of this gospel because it is the only truth in the world which if you are steadfast and if you and I continue to believe day in and day out that you and I will triumph over every obstacle, church. Every obstacle. And, and, and you and I will be brought into this eternal safety and into the joy of this amazing presence. And my last point is this. Paul says... That the gospel is for believers, not just unbelievers. Sometimes we think, oh, the gospel is just for unbelievers. No, it is actually for believers as well. And the last, and, 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 and the reason being this, that when he uses the word salvation here, it means in verse 16, is Paul is saying this, that he wants to preach the gospel to believers. In fact, he says that, I believe he says that in verse 15. In verse 15, Paul says that, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So he's not writing to non-believers there. He's writing to the believers. So he's saying, I want to preach to you. I'm eager to preach to you as, as well. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to all such believers. So my conclusion here, friends, is, is that the reason Paul is not ashamed of the gospel is that it is the only truth in all the world that will not let you down when you give your life in faith. Many things may let us down. People let us down. Uh, our employers will let us down. Um, our country lets us down. The economy lets us down. You know... Interest rates let us down, right? Investments let us down. There are so many things that let us down, but when we begin to invest in God, the return of our investment is a certainty. And that's what Paul is now trying to address to, to a group of Romans. The place where he went and he knew that he was going to die there. But now he begins to speak to them and he tells them this. This is what the power of the gospel is. So my question to you as we conclude, do you feed on the gospel day by day? If I can have the team to come up, please. Do you feed on the gospel day by day? What do you eat for your spiritual menu? Is the word of God something that you've read three months ago, five months ago, six months ago, a year ago? Or is the word of God merely... A text message that someone sends you as an encouragement. And he says, hey, I want to encourage you with, with the word for the day. Is that what you feel is the word of God? Now, it is a gospel that will take you through the temptation that you and I face and bring us onto the other side. I mean, how many of us here, don't, don't raise your hands, but how many of us here fall prey to temptation day in and day out? Being tempted is never the issue. 
but falling prey to temptation. And making it seem like it's all, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, you know that God still accepts you and I, right? In Romans 8.32, he says this, that he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his own. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I mean, what a powerful verse. If, if the father could give his son up for us, do you think that today, wherever you sit, whatever you face, however shameful you may feel, don't you think today that the word of the Lord from Romans 8.32 should be something that should encourage you to know that, man, if he can give that up, if he can give his son up, won't he give you something way more? Won't he give you that and even more? I shouldn't say way more. Wouldn't he give you that and even more? Because that's what's on his mind. You are on his mind. You and I are on his mind. Right? You know, there was an old song, and I don't know, uh, Anna, whether... I don't think you were that old, though. Because the song is way older than you. It's way older than me, too. Because it's in 1868 it was written. It's a hymn. But I don't know whether you've ever sung this. How many of you are hymn lovers here? Come on, let me see by a show of hands. Do you love hymns? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Okay, you love hymns. Okay. So, this is, a, this is an old hymn, and I want to read, this. I want to read the lyrics to this. Um, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else would do. Okay, without the piano. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory. Of Jesus and His love I love to tell the story Because I know it is true It satisfies my longings As nothing else would do I love to tell the story. Right? They, that's how they used to sing it in the hymns, right? So, <laughs> Twill be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love Thankfully, we can sing this without any copyright issues because it's more than 100 years old. Now the next verse. I love to tell the story More powerful, more wonderful it seems Than all the golden fancies Of all our golden dreams Sing it with me. I love to tell the story 
It did so much for me And that is just the reason I tell it now to thee The chorus I love to tell the story Twill be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and his love I'm going to read you the last verse here I love to tell the story Tis pleasant to repeat What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet I love to tell the story For some have never heard The message of salvation From God's own holy word Amen From God's own holy word That's the power of the gospel That you and I don't need to be ashamed of the gospel But that if we are ashamed For believing in the gospel Hear what Paul might probably turn around and say So what? So what? He says yes You will be shamed You know we shouldn't be apologizing to ourselves We shouldn't be apologizing to someone who comes and tells us that uh, who comes and tells us that uh, oh, you know what happened? I was sharing about the gospel and I said it really nicely, not in an offensive way. And when the person said, are you saying that Jesus is the only way to salvation? And I I agreed and I said, yes. And after I said yes, he landed a, he, he he landed one on my on my jaw, he landed one on my face. And the person comes and tells you. And so what do you say? Oh, I'm so sorry it happened. No, maybe don't say so sorry that it happened. Well, what did you expect? Now I'm not saying that's that's what you and I now are signing up for. But friends, what I'm trying to say is simply this. Have we have we really watered down what we believe? Have we really watered down the gospel to a point that we alter things and that we we even tell ourselves that no, I don't think we're going to be facing that. We're living in a day and age where we are really going to be facing and and if we are not facing that in the the in, in the places that we are in or that that we're exposed to Maybe we need to ask ourselves this. Are we truly sharing that? Are we truly sharing it in, in, in all of its entirety? Now, again, this is, this is not what the implication of what I'm saying is, that we go out and that we become unpopular. That's not it. I think you know what I mean. That we examine how we are actually sharing this. So I want us to really consider that and uh, I want us to take this moments and begin to consider how do we share the gospel one do we want to share the gospel in its fullness 
Do we want to experience the power, the full power of this gospel? And when we experience this, are we wanting, are we going to share this full power? And if you are, if, if, if you sincerely want to experience that in all of its fullness, and you want to communicate that in all of its fullness, hallelujah. Amen. In all of its fullness, then I want you to respond by standing. If that's who you are, you want to experience that, I want you to just you keep your eyes closed and I want you to stand. <laughs>